0: Welcome to the Sunset Community Church podcast. You're listening to sermon audio from our Sunday morning services. For more information about Sunset Community Church, visit us online at sunsetcommunity.church.
1: When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll away the stone from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him? But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone, because they were afraid.
0: Well, it is good to be here with you all this morning. If this is your uh, first time with us um, we have been walking through, uh, really for most of the last year, uh, the Gospel of Mark. We've been looking at the life of Jesus. We've been reexamining the life of Jesus. And we've kind of asked three um, guiding questions. And today, obviously, Easter Sunday is the very end of this story. But if you haven't read the previous chapters, um, this would feel out of place, right? You, you would wonder, why was this man killed? Why was he treated in this way? And why would it be a big deal that he overcame the grave? And so the three questions we've been asking as we've been walking through the Gospel of Mark really are these three. We've been saying, first of all, who is Jesus? We we live in a Christian culture um, that has images of Jesus everywhere. Um, There's caricatures of who Jesus is, what he looks like. Who is he really from those that were closest to him? What was written about him? The other question we've been asking was, what does it mean to follow Jesus? The term Christian denotes that we are like Christ, that we are following the ways of Jesus, that we believe in the message of Jesus. What does that mean for us today in Renton in the year 2023? And then Jesus said very clearly to his followers, he said, if you're going to follow me, I also want you to invite other people to follow me as well. So we've been asking that question. What are we inviting people into? Is it a political movement? Is it policy agreement? Is it cultural identification? What are we inviting people into as it relates to the Christian faith? And so today is the culmination of that story, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, four accounts of Jesus' life, all feature this as the prominent conclusion of the ministry and the life of Jesus. And so this morning, whether you have heard it a thousand times before or whether it's your very first time, I hope that who Jesus is, what it means to follow him, and what it means to invite others into him will become clear today because this is what the resurrection is all about. It answers all three of these questions. So we've already prayed a few times. I'm gonna pray one more time. Are you against that? You cool with that? Okay. It's church, so get used to it. We pray a lot here. Lord Jesus, today we are here because of you. Not because our mom dragged us out of bed or because the culture says you're supposed to go to church on Easter Sunday, but we are here because of you, God. Because you did something that changed everything. It changed literally the history of the world. And so, Father, today, we ask that we might be able to hear what you have to say to us. That we might be able to rediscover what we thought we already knew. (laughs) And today, Father, we would leave from here understanding that you are inviting us into something, something beautiful and life-changing. So would you speak today? Would anything that I say uh, that is just of me, would it be quickly forgotten? And would your words ring true? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so two types of invitations that I get a lot as a pastor are weddings and funerals. But my, my invitations tend to be a little bit different than maybe yours, because I get invited to officiate the wedding and officiate the funeral. Um, for weddings, man, there's always, they're always this joyful event. I was a youth pastor for years, and one of my favorite things was the years after students would graduate, I would get that phone call, hey, Pastor Andrew, I met somebody, (laughs) we're gonna get married, would you officiate my wedding? I I got one of these phone calls once, and a, a, a student that had come through my youth ministry, he was marrying into a family that was Lebanese and Greek. The wedding was off the hook. It was so fun. Dancing and partying all night long, it was so much fun. So weddings are always a joyful event. There's this sense of expectancy with weddings um, of, of like a new beginning, of a new life. And when you attend the weddings, you, you, you can see it on the face of the bride and of the groom, right? They're so excited for the beginning of something new. Funerals are a little bit different they often cause people to not necessarily project what will be, but to reflect on what was. Uh, Most of you know recently I had to help officiate my own father's funeral. And funerals often cause us to ask the question, what now? What is the purpose of all this? And oftentimes... In, in the case of my father's funeral, when people were saying so many amazing things about who he was. It makes us reflect on what will people say when I'm dead. When Jesus was placed in the tomb on Friday afternoon, you can bet that a similar reflection was happening on, among the people who knew him and loved him. Those that had, had been following him, who some had given up everything, they'd given up their job to follow Jesus, were reflecting on these very moment. What now? What was the purpose of all of this? I can imagine Jesus' own mother, Mary, saying, God, you gave me this vision. This baby was born supernaturally. What now? As Bree just read, a handful of women headed to the grave of Jesus on Easter Sunday to honor him and remember him, and that's when everything they had ever known about life and death The present and the future, all of it would change forever. And so Easter is the day when we remember how the sadness, the weight of a funeral weekend would shockingly transition to the feel of a wedding party. And so today, Mark chapter 6, verses 1 and 8, we remember that. And so this morning, if you don't remember anything else, I want you to know that the resurrection of Jesus means that you have been invited to something. You've invited to, been invited to, to relationship with God. And that God himself, when he did this supernatural thing, he created an invitation with your name on it. He had you and me in mind. And the invitation is not to a funeral, but it's to a wedding party. Christianity is not a dead religion based on some events in the past. It's a living faith that is still changing lives today. And so today, we remember the moment that defined it. We'll look again. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to to Mark chapter 16. If you don't have the Bibles, there are some in the pew. They look just like this. And we want you to take one with you. In fact, one of my favorite things that I've had to do in recent weeks um, was restock the Bibles in the pews because that means people are taking them home for themselves. So we want you to take it. Our name's not on it. If you don't have one, please take one home with you today. So Mark chapter 16, Bree just read this. We'll just read verses 4 through 7 again together. It says, When the women came, they looked up, and they saw the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. You would be too, wouldn't you? Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who is crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. With three words, he is risen. Easter validated why Christmas is so important. If it weren't for Easter, nobody would be celebrating Christmas. He is risen. And so it's at this moment, when they were coming to finish the funeral weekend, that the funeral party started to feel a lot more like a wedding party. The angel makes this announcement to Jesus, but eventually Jesus himself would appear to the women... And then to the rest of the people that were in mourning of his death. And then, just like the moment after a couple says, I do, a whole new life began. Now, if you've read the story of Jesus, you know that Jesus has been to some weddings and some funerals before. In fact, the very beginning of Jesus' ministry started at a wedding, the wedding in Cana. And Jewish weddings were a little bit different than American weddings. <laughs> American weddings, we, we, we tend to kind of have this tight schedule, right? We'll get it done in a few hours with the reception and all that. Jewish weddings were often a week-long affair of feasting and drinking and dancing and celebrating. And the whole village would show up. And so Jesus was invited to this wedding. And as the, the, the wedding party went on and on and on, they began to run out of something that was pretty crucial in Jewish weddings. Grape juice. No, it wasn't grape juice. It was wine. <laughs> we can talk about that later if, you're, if, you're, if you don't agree that it was actual wine. But it was. And they begin to run out. And man, if, a party without food and drink, it's going to quickly end. But the wedding wasn't done yet. And so Jesus, he takes what looks like a dire situation and he transforms it. He turns water into wine. We see another instance where Jesus is uh, at a funeral Luke's gospel records this. There's this funeral in the city of Nain. And Jesus and his disciples, they're going about their business and they see a funeral procession. And it's a sad one. It's not of somebody who lived an old long life, but it's of a young man who died. We don't know the situation, but we can assume it was tragic and unexpected. And his family is in mourning over the loss of this young man. And Jesus, again, takes a situation that seems dire, that seems like it's the end, and he transforms it. And this young man is raised from the dead. In fact, I heard a pastor say recently this last week, um, every funeral that Jesus attends ends with the dead person coming to life. So invite Jesus to your funerals, right? (laughs) (laughs) So just like that, just like with those past events, when his own death seemed like the end, that's when the power of God would be revealed. And so for us as Christians, the resurrection changes everything. If Jesus could overcome death, then he really was who he said he was. If he really was who he said he was, then that means God is real. If God is real, then God is absolutely, without a doubt, a God of amazing, amazing love. And if it's all true, then Jesus really is worth following. This is why Easter loudly declares, this is what Easter loudly declares, and it's why the message of Jesus still changes lives today. We're not in this building this morning because Jesus was a good teacher or a radical revolutionary or a magical miracle worker. We're here because Jesus did what he said he would do. And life and death would never be the same again. And so today we know that Jesus' resurrection makes it possible for us to be reunited with the God who loves us and who made a way to overcome the power of sin and death for us. Jesus' resurrection became an invitation for us that through death we could have eternal life and that eternal life it starts now it starts the moment we place our faith in jesus put it this way resurrection is the beginning of repentance now if you're if you're uh, not a church folk and you hear the word repentance you may have a word of somebody angrily saying repent now right but repentance and the biblical idea of it is a change of mind. It's a change of mind. Those that, that denied God now go, wait a second, maybe he's real. Those that doubted Jesus say, wait a second, maybe he's true. Those that, that uh, questioned the, the ability to live forever with God, maybe say, so. well, maybe it's possible. This is what repentance is. It's a change of mind. And so the resurrection is the beginning of repentance, is the beginning of a change of mind. So here's a few things that we see that the resurrection points us to. One is Jesus' motivation, his pure and sole motivation for entering this earth, for living as a human, for dying and suffering, all of it was based on his love. Jesus' motivation was love. For God so what the world? What did He do? He loved the world. For God so loved the world. Uh, our world is confused about love right now. Our world is confused about that, maybe you're confused about that. Maybe you had uh, you've had relationships that that the words love were used, but the actions were not, and you think, what is love? Our world is confused because now it's so confused about love that it uses love to define love. So we say love is love. But Jesus is different. Jesus gives a demonstration of love. And how does he demonstrate that? He says things like, Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Man, that's crazy talk. But this is exactly what Jesus demonstrated. He didn't just say it. He did it. He went to the cross for all sinners, all of us. He died for the ones that put him on the cross. His final words were, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He loves. You know, I love how the angel says, I don't know if you caught this when Bree was reading it. The angel, in announcing the resurrection to the women, says, go tell the disciples and Peter. (laughs) Peter was a disciple, right? Yes. Now, now, again, this is where if if you're just jumping in at the end of the story, you you might just kind of skip over that as a weird kind of literary thing. The disciples and Peter. But if you know the story, you know that just a couple days before, Peter had been vowing to Jesus that he would never betray him. I'll never turn my back on you. I'll never doubt you. I am all in to the very end. As soon as times got tough, he betrayed him one time, two times, three times. But Jesus knew this was going to happen. In fact, Jesus told him it was going to happen. And Jesus said, I'm going to overcome death, and I'm going to go ahead of you. I'm going to meet you on the other side of it. But it wasn't just the other side of death. I'm going to meet you on the other side of your doubts. I'm going to meet you on the other side of your betrayal. I'm going to meet you on the other side of your sin. And so I can imagine when the women brought the announcement back to the disciples, and they said, Jesus is alive. We just heard about it. And he wants you to know him. And he's, he's going ahead of you to Galilee. I can imagine in that moment, Peter would have been easily been able to say, he doesn't want to meet me in Galilee he knows what I did. I can imagine he was sitting in his shame and in, in what he had done. And so when the angel said, tell the disciples and Peter, it made no room for Peter to doubt that Jesus was also calling him. Some of you this morning, you, you, can, you can feel that. You can feel the shame and the doubt of your own betrayal of Jesus, where you've turned your back on him, you've done things your way, and you've thought, man, I could never I could never go back. I could never belong to a church again. I could never sing those songs and pray those prayers. But Jesus meets us on the other side of our betrayal, just like he did with Peter. Jesus loves us. That's his main motivation. And that love is not contingent on our betrayal, on our faithfulness. It's despite it. What a beautiful picture of love. The other thing we see in this is that Jesus' message is truth. Now, in our current day, we hear leaders say things like, follow the science, which implies that science is something more than it actually is. You know what science is, right? It's a process of learning and discovery. But where does that take you? Well, you're learning and you're trying to figure things out. When it comes to our own personal lives, we hear things like, you do you, or speak your own truth. While these are well-intentioned directions, they aren't actually leading us anywhere. They're not leading us to absolute truth. In John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. and He makes absolute statements. And then he says, no one comes to the Father, a.k.a. Through, to heaven, but through me. What does through Jesus mean? Anybody have any idea? Do we have to, how theological do we have to get here? What is through Jesus? Uh, if Jesus is the way, the truth, and life, we can only get to God through him, we, we need to know the answer to that question, don't we? <laughs> it's pretty simple. Through Jesus means you're invited. That the way to know the God of love is not based on your status, on your holiness, on your good works. The way to God is through Jesus alone. In other words, He's got an invitation with your name on it. all you have to do is open it up. You just have to believe it, you have to receive it, and then you have now a way to God through what Jesus has accomplished. We talk about this on Good Friday, Ephesians. So we see in the resurrection, Jesus' main motivation was love. We see that Jesus' message is truth. And we also see that Jesus' promises are kept. We have a lot of people that make promises in our lives, don't we, that that aren't fulfilled, that aren't kept. Sometimes it's out of our control. Things happen, right? Right? Sometimes it's our own hypocrisy or weakness. But Jesus, whenever he says he's going to do something, whenever he says it's going to happen, it happens. What greater security and relationship could you want than that? Than a wedding vow that's never broken. Than a promise that's always kept. Jesus had made a promise, and then he fulfilled the promise. As the God who is love and truth, he has promised that he's going to return. Jesus has promised that he's going to return, that he's going to make all things new. And so when we say that uh, the resurrection is like a funeral turned into a wedding, that's what it really was. This resurrection pointed to a new fulfillment of truth a new life, a new creation where brokenness and sin, well, the old order of things would pass away. And for those who haven't believed in Jesus, haven't trusted in him, when Jesus returns, it's gonna feel like a funeral party. They're gonna realize, oh, no, I didn't open that invitation. I rejected him. I doubted him. But for those that have, it will be like a wedding celebration. Let me explain just a little bit. The ultimate destination of sin is death. Paul talks about this. He says, what you get paid for sin is death. The wages of sin is death. And people that live in war-torn countries or are sitting on death row know this to be true, right? The people of Ukraine see how the wages of sin is death. Well, this conflict, all it is creating is death. Those that have committed crimes, that have taken others' lives, that are sitting on death row know this to be true. What they are reaping and what they have sown is death. But so will people who, by a thousand small decisions, deny God and refuse to follow his ways. They've chosen to ignore the invitation. And so when Jesus returns to make all things right, they've already made their decision. They've refused Jesus. But God doesn't want that for anyone. That's why he came. (laughs) That's why he came to forgive sin and to restore relationship. So for those that have believed in Jesus and chosen to follow him instead of their own sinful desires, Jesus return won't have the sorrow of a funeral, it will have the joy of a wedding party. Listen to this description of Jesus' return from Revelation chapter 19. I love this. It says, Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters, and like loud peals of thunder, shouting, Hallelujah! Hallelujah! For our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give Him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come and His bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Then the angel said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who are what? Invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, These are the true Words of God later on in Revelation 21 speaking of this new creation it says that God will wipe every tear from their eyes there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away so Jesus motivation was love His message was truth, and his return will be a celebration. 2,000 years ago, when the women were heading toward the tomb to finish out the process of the funeral, when they found it empty, everything changed. Jesus had literally reversed the expected outcome. Instead of mourning, they would experience joy. Instead of regret and guilt, they would find relationship and forgiveness. Instead of death, they would find life. Only God could do something like this. And he did. There are a lot of people today zooming toward their own funerals with no hope. But today we remember that Jesus' resurrection comes with an invitation. An invitation to follow him through death into new life. And so today, for those of us that have placed our faith in Jesus, we live as the forgiven. We reflect his love. We proclaim his truth. And we trust in his promises. We're gonna respond now in song. I'm gonna have the worship team come up. But I'm gonna uh, point your attention to one more thing as they come up. In the, in the pews in front of you, you're going to see some envelopes like this. If you're in the balcony, they're on the back table there. I'm going to ask you to take one, and I'm going to ask you to write your name on the front of it. You could even put two, dot, dot, and then your name. So take a minute and do that. Don't open it. There's no money in it, so... <laughs> no, no peeps or anything like that either. So. Just write your name on the front. Now this is an invitation. It's an invitation that I want you to open up at some point this week, or maybe next week, or maybe a month from now, whenever you feel like it. Put it in your car, put it in your Bible, but I want this to be a symbolic of what Jesus has done for us in the resurrection. That he has invited us to something. And so if you're a, a believer, you need, to, you need to hold on to this because you need to remember that the course of your life, you, you're, you're already there. You're already, you're already on your way to the wedding banquet. But we need to be reminded of that sometime. There's an invitation with our name on it. If you've never placed your faith in Jesus... If you've been living in sin and and the resurrection hasn't produced that repentance yet, don't open this yet. Open it when you're ready. Open it when you're ready to receive Jesus. Don't throw it away, please. Because here's the thing. The invitation never expires. As long as you have a breath left in your lungs, the invitation never expires. This is just symbolic, maybe even a little cheesy. (laughs) but I want you to know it's true. On the other side of your doubts, on the other side of betrayal, Jesus has gone ahead of you, and he wants you to come with him. He wants you to know God. He wants you to know the love of the Father. And so as we sing this last song, may we be reminded of the love of God. May we be reflectors of it. And so God, today we thank you for what we remember. But it's not just a remembrance as if it happened in the past. It's an invitation to to walk into it in the present. And so, God, would you renew that invitation in our hearts? Remind us when we doubt. Show us your love, we ask. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: You've been listening to sermon audio from Sunset Community Church. Sunset Community Church is located in Renton, Washington. For more information, visit our website at sunsetcommunity.church.